All right, who's fired up to be in the house of God this weekend? Come on, somebody. Woo! I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Where two or three gather, I'm in their midst. I believe God wants to do something incredible this weekend. I believe the word, is God, word of God is powerful. I hope you came with an incredible expectation. See, God meets us at the level of our expectation. And so I believe there's gonna be some people saved, it's gonna be some people healed, gonna be some people delivered. It's going to be an incredible weekend. You picked a supernatural weekend to come and gather. Welcome to all of our campuses. We love you guys so much. God behind bars, we love you men and women. Uh, a couple months ago, Michelle and I, uh, we were in Dallas and I spoke at a church, 125,000 with God behind bars, got to hear that message in all of our federal institutions. We love you men and women, we're thrilled you're with us and uh, great to be with you. We believe God sent you, we believe God has got a word, so it's gonna be incredible. This weekend is week three, next steps. Tonight at all of our campuses, dinner, child care provided, it, it will help you with your next step. If you're new or you haven't been, I wanna challenge you, jump in there this weekend. You will be thrilled that you did. Come on, let's pray. Father God, we come to you in the strong name of Jesus. And God, we're believing you for an incredible miracle across all our campuses. We're, God, we believe that you said you came to set the captive free. We believe you're Jehovah Jireh, our provider, Jehovah Rapha, our healer. And God, we come to you. And so, Father, we ask you for an incredible impartation, an incredible revelation. And then, God, this week as we begin movement, let that not be a title, but let that be what we see. As Pastor Zach said, we adults will follow the students in revival. God, I pray that students are saved, they're called, they're set apart, for some for missions and ministry. God, we pray for fresh baptisms of the Spirit. And God, we ask you to do a supernatural work. God, we believe revival's breaking out and we can't wait to see what you're gonna do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, come on, it's gonna be incredible. Well, I was in Africa for almost a month. Uh, it was way too long to be away from Michelle. But let me tell you what I, what I found in Africa. I found and got to watch where you are making a difference. All you that are faithful in giving on the generosity journey, I was able to speak to about 500 pastors in Mwanza, incredible. And then TTI, which is a ministry partner of ours, the Timothy Initiative, will plant about 50,000 churches this year uh, through TTI internationally. We just finished training 75,000 Timothys in India. Every Timothy is about 10 to 15 people that are gonna be saved. So you guys are making an incredible impact. So thank you. This series that we are doing uh, on emotional health, I believe is straight from heaven. It is the will of God for us to walk in victory, the abundant life, John 10, 10. Now, as Toby said last weekend, freedom is not the absence of something, it is the presence and the power of someone, and that someone being Jesus. Now, we began this series two weeks ago, Pastor Josh preached what I think is the greatest sermon he's ever preached in 20 years here. And so if you missed it, go back, go get our app, go online, it's free. Last weekend, Toby, out of the park. Wasn't that incredible? 
Toby and Micah are such good friends of our families and man, it was off the chart. And here's the deal, emotional health matters to God and it matters to us. We care for your total health, not just your spiritual body, mind, soul, and spirit. That's how, I mean, that's, that's how God views it. So that's what matters to us, not just spiritual. The Bible said it's for freedom that Christ set us free. Now, when I was growing up in the 60s, I was born in 1960. A Tuesday, I'll turn 63. I, I know, I look good. And so when I grew up, here was what everybody said, don't be a baby. Don't be a baby. Stop crying, don't be a baby. The next generation says, poor baby. Poor baby, poor baby, poor you. It's just how horrible that is. Both of those are wrong. So as I'm growing up as a kid, don't be a baby, don't be a baby. I learned to cram my feelings down so deep inside of me that I lost the ability to feel them. Because don't be a baby, that's, that's, that's how I grew up. So last year, maybe a year and a half ago, Pastor Zach brought a counselor in for our family to, to talk to in the, in the middle of the transition because transitions are difficult and it is especially difficult on my family. And so we're in a room and, and Chip, the counselor who led some other of my friends, the Surratts through their transition at Seacoast, said, how do, I wanna know how y'all feel. Well, I'm looking over at Rachel, Zach's wife. She's, she's just having a glee fit because there's nothing she'd rather talk about than her feelings. And there's nothing I'd rather not talk about than feelings. So Zach and Rachel and Michelle, he gets me, so well, Pastor Chris, how do you feel? And Michelle says this, if you say you're a Vulcan, I'm going to throat punch you. <laughs> now, I've been throat punched by Michelle, it's, non, it's unpleasant, it's unpleasant. So, so she, she, and so this is what I did, I'm not lying, it's what I did. So I'm thinking, how do I feel? How do I, how do I? I made something up. I just made something up. Cause I don't know how to feel feelings. So, so, now I feel anger. I got that emotion down, man. I, I mean, I got that. But that puppy is my anger. Michelle and my daughter, amen, and on the front row. Actually, people have been emailing Michelle all morning about this message and she brought things to throw. See, cause she's meaner to me than y'all realize. So, poor baby, me. So. Again, so my generation, your feelings don't matter. The next generation, your feelings are all that matters. So we got, this is wrong. We swing the pendulum. Oh, oh, we never slowed down on a balance. That pendulum came all the way up here to where my, you know, my feelings don't matter today. Your feelings matter so much. Your feelings are the truth. Even though your feelings lie like a rug. All of our feelings lie. We now in this American culture have grown so backwards. The Bible says that truth has fallen in the street that we now equate to however I feel with truth. Doesn't matter how crazy it is, it's true if I feel it. And that's not going to serve you well. It's not serving our culture well. So last weekend, Pastor Toby dealt with anxiety and depression disorder. I deal with anger issues. And here's the deal, we all have issues. Am I in the right room? Come on, come on, we all, every campus, we all have issues. 
But listen, that's why there's a faith promise. It's a place of freedom and deliverance from your past. It is a place for, place for hope and help for your future. That's why we give encouragement and love for today because our God is able. Now, if you ask folks, hey, you, if you've been going to Faith Promise for a while, tell me what you like about it. This will be in the, one of the top answers. I like Faith Promise because it's raw and real. I like Faith Promise because Pastor Chris tells it like it is and he's very honest. Pastor Zach tells it like it is, he's very honest. I like that, it's great. Let me ask you a question. Are you raw and real? Are you just like watching us be raw and real? And if you are raw and real, who are you raw and real with? Because if you don't have a group of people around you that you can be raw and real, that means all your secrets are stuck inside you. That means you are alone. That means the devil owns it and he will beat you to death with it and he will circle you with lies around it because just like the truth will set us free, the lie will entangle us. Does this make sense? And so we've gotta be, oh, I love it's raw and real. Then be raw and real. Now, we, Zach and I were playing golf and we were coming back from the golf course. And Zach said, Dad, I have a question for you. I said, go ahead. He said, you know, when Faith was little, this was what you used to say all the time about her that was good. And then this is what you said all the time about Micah that was good. But dad, you never ever said anything good about me. That's where I began experiencing that one emotion I have of anger. I, so I'm thinking, this, where's this coming from? He said, now you know my word this year is kingdom heritage. So I got it. His, his, and you're gonna hear a lot about this next year. And so his verse is Isaiah 54, 17. Now, you all know the first phrase of this verse. No weapon formed against us will prosper. You ever heard that? What you haven't heard is the second phrase. Every tongue that accuses you in judgment, every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn because that is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And Zach said this, Dad, I know that what I believe is not true. I know that you, that you said good things about me. I just don't remember any. Tell me what you said about me when I was little. I said, well, that's easy. Boom, 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 boom. I said this all the time. He said, I have believed a lie for years. Today, I will believe a new narrative because today I pulled down the voice inside of me that is accusing me in judgment, I will bring judgment against it because it is a, it's a kingdom heritage. And I said, Zach, that might be the wisest thing I've ever seen you do in my whole life. Which can I tell you, just gives me excitement about the future of Faith Promise as Pastor Zach takes over next month. I'm just gonna be honest with you. Now, Everybody keeps walking up to me and Michelle and saying this, what are you gonna do when you retire? We're not retiring. Michelle will still be leading worship. I'll still be preaching. I won't preach as much, so you'll get better preaching fewer times. I got that, I understand. <laughs> so 
But I'll have, Pastor Zach will become my pastor and we will reach the next generation and I couldn't be more excited about it. And people, I've had people walk up and say, hey, you've been my pastor 28 years. You've been the voice of God for me. Listen to me, I will still be. I'm not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. Are you with me? Nothing's gonna shift. I just won't be preaching as much. Zach will be the visionary leader and I'll be following him. Is that cool? We're we're repositioning, not retiring. So now if you go back to Genesis, one of the first things that God said to Adam is this. Hey, Adam, it's not good for you to be by yourself, for you to be alone. Now we always tie that in with marriage, but actually what God said was, it's not good for you to be alone. And some of us are married and alone. Some of us are in a room full of people and alone. It's not good for you to be alone. If you're alone, you're in real trouble. Because see, when you're alone, you've been isolated from the pack and the devil has easy access and you have nobody watching your backside. Now, Ephesians 6, the armor of God, helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, sword of the spirit, belt of truth, feet shot with preparation of the gospel, praying in the spirit. And I used to look at that and say, hey, we don't have any back. We don't have any rear armor. That's because we're a forward marching army. We're not, we're not crawfishing. We're not backstroking. Man, we're moving forward. We don't have, then I realized that's not, that's, that's not, that's not true. That's not, the, the deal is that your breastplate of righteousness is my rear guard. Are you with me? Alex's breastplate of righteousness is my rear guard. Robert or Chad's breastplate of righteousness, they got my back, I got their back. Does that make sense? We need each other. We need friends in this journey towards heaven, especially to try to have some real semblance of sanity in this crazy world. Now, I'm working on this message and, and, and so I'm, I'm dealing with, you know, that I was assigned, actually Toby laid out four weeks and all I got was the power of a friend and the passage I'm reading you in a minute. And so it, 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 what I noticed was Ever since I got saved, God's given me a series of incredible friends. We need each other. Matter of fact, if you look at King David, if you're on the Bible reading plan, you've read this very recently with us, and that is David lists all the offices. He's got the priests, the Levites, he's got the commanders of hundreds and thousands and fifties, he's got the commanders, he's got counselors, but he had one office nobody had before then. It was the office of the king's friend. David just said, I can have a friend. I can have somebody hang out with, I can have a friend. And you're thinking, I don't need a friend. I could do it on my own. And if you're thinking that, you're probably a man, not a woman. And so, so, so let me ask you, the manliest man that ever lived needed friends. You're stronger than the son of the most high God that was resurrected from the dead. See, that's how dumb we men are. Are you with me? And so Jesus Desperately needed friends, but let's look at his darkest hour. In Matthew 14, then they came to the place named Gethsemane, which means the olive press. And, and, and I will be there, Michelle and I, with a group of promisers in October, and it'll be a life-changing experience. He said to his disciples, sit here until I pray. So he leaves nine of them. 
or eight of them. Then he took with him Peter, James, and John, his BFFs, his, his closest companions, and he began to be very distressed and troubled. He's struggling emotionally. And he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. Hey, hey guys, I need you. Matter of fact, I'm desperate. This is the dark hour of the soul. And what I need is you guys to hang with me and be with me and keep watch because this is the greatest agony anyone has ever felt. In verse 35, he went a little beyond them and fell to the ground and began to pray. If it were possible, the hour might pass him by. And he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he comes back, he finds them sleeping, and he asks a question. Could you not watch with me how long? How long? So what we know is Jesus has been praying for an hour, and we get one sentence of that prayer. 60 minutes of prayer, one sentence. Now, that's all biblical. Let me give you what I call spiritual speculation. I believe Jesus spent 58 of those 60 minutes asking God to take the cup away. If you were in his situation, what would you have been asking the Father for? Let this hour pass. Let this cup for me pass. Anything is willing. If there's any other way, Lord, let this thing pass. And then he finishes it by surrendering his will, not what I will, but what you will. I think that's where we spend the bulk of our prayer time. Get me out of this. Do something. Heal me. Fix me. Take this anger away. I need you to take this stress away. Take these problems away. Are y'all with me? Does that make sense? So he comes back, he finds him sleeping. Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not keep out, watch one hour? Keep watching and praying that you might not come into temptation for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away praying the same words. How long did he pray? We don't know. I'm betting he prays another hour. And he came and found the sleeping flies were very heavy and they did not know what to answer. And he came a third time and said, are you still sleeping and resting? So how long did Jesus pray? Anywhere between an hour and five minutes and three hours. We know that he prayed two things, take this cup away, but you do what you want, Father, not my will. That's what we know. Comes back a third time and said, are you still resting? It's enough, the hour's come. Behold, the Son of Man has been betrayed in the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. Now, how many times did he ask for that cup to be taken away? We don't know. We don't know. But I'm gonna tell you this, thousands of times I've asked God to take away my anger. Almost every day, Lord, take away my anger, take away my anger, delivering me from this. Then it hit me after last weekend's sermon, is my anger the thorn in the flesh the devil's given me to keep me dependent on, on, him, on God? Is this something God has allowed him a lot? Because let me tell you, it proves to me every day my absolute utter dependence upon God. Does that make sense? It also tells me another thing, how deeply I need my friends. Because I can't do it alone, what, life? I can't do life alone. Jesus needed friends, I need friends. Does that make sense? Jesus, now, now, what we do is, we, we, try, we just pray, take the cup away, take the cup away, take the pain away, take the problems away, take the cup away. Look what it says in Romans chapter five. It said, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have obtained, through you, whom we have obtained our introduction by faith into his grace, 
in which we stand, we exalt in hope of the glory of God. Not only this, but we exalt in something else incredible. We exalt in tribulations. When's the last time you had a problem and exalted in that? No, we ask God to take the problem away. Are y'all with me? Come on. We say we like it wrong real. We say, God, take this away. Knowing that the tribulation brings about perseverance, perseverance, proven character, proven character, hope, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. James 1, 2. Brothers, sisters, rejoice when you encounter various trials, pain, and problems knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And I love what Toby said last weekend. There is no resilience without resistance. So can we rejoice in resistance? We can if we're walking in the spirit and we have friends who will encourage us in the middle. Now, I talk to a lot of parents who say, hey, you know, your kids turned out great. Faith, Mike and Zach, they're amazing. How can I develop resilience in my kids? I get that all the time because we have so many young families. Let me tell you what you gotta do. You gotta let them fight their own battles, mom. You gotta let them fight because there's no resilience without resistance. And if you take all the resistance away from your children and you take all the consequences for their bad decisions away, when they grow up, they'll have no resilience. Therefore, they won't be able to stay married. They won't stay at church. They can't keep a job. Are y'all with me? Because we took away the resistance. The greatest battles Michelle and I fought was over the kids. She wanted to rescue them. I said, let them fight it. Let them deal with it. Let them, let, and you know what? That created in my kids resilience. And today they can go through a lot and stand strong. Does this make sense? Now, I can tell you stories about friends. From first getting saved, East Lake Baptist Church to Eastwood, all the way, friends I have in Louisiana where Michelle and I and our family were, but here, so I can tell you something, let me tell you just one. One of our elders' name is Robert Bruce. We call him Robert the Bruce. And Robert came here 20-something years ago. We were in the first phase of Pellissippi, single, but we were, the church was exploding in growth. I wasn't leading, I had a tiger by the tail. I just hanging on. People look at the extreme things that I pay promise, say, man, you're good, you're a great leader. No, I serve an incredible God. God gets all the glory, all the credit. And so, it's incredible. And, and so Robert calls my then assistant, Gloria, and said, hey, I like to have a meeting with the pastor. And she said, well, you can't do that. We have other pastors that take meetings, but the pastor is too busy. And so as the church gets bigger, there are things you have to sacrifice. So Robert believes he's called to be my friend. A lot of people believe they're called to be my friend. They're not. Robert was. And so Robert is asking, okay, I can't get to him. How do I get to him? And God puts on his heart Esther. Esther needed to see the king. What did she do? She made a banquet. So Robert cooks me and my family lunch one Sunday. My sister Gloria finds me, said, before you leave, come by the office. Somebody made you and your family lunch today. I said, what do you mean somebody made me lunch today? 
well, there's a bag of food and it's your lunch today. I said, is it poison? Let Josh try it first. I'm not <laughs> sure. That's his job. And so I walk over there. It's, you can't see through the Tupperware, but I just pop the corner. I don't look in and my nose is assaulted with crawfish etouffee. I don't need to see it. I know what it is by the smell. I close it up. Little fat naked angel babies are surrounding the bag. <laughs> I'm trying to think, can I eat it before I get home? Because Mike and Zach, it's going to be a fight. And we did. We fought over every last crawf every crawfish tail. I came in Monday morning. I said, I don't know who made lunch, but get them in my office. Because I need some more etouffee. We became the best of friends. He's traveled all over the country with me. We bought a plane together. We've done all kinds of stuff together. When I was in Africa, I sent him a copy of my speaking itinerary so he and the prayer team he's built for me could pray. Now, you say, I want one of those. Everybody ought to have a Robert the Bruce. But if you want a Robert the Bruce, you gotta consider other people as more important than yourself. And the problem is we want our friends to be focused on us, but we don't want to be focused on them. The Bible says if you want to have friends, you have to prove yourself friendly. David had Jonathan, Elijah had Elisha, Jesus had the disciples, Paul had Timothy, Titus, Apollos. He had all kinds of folks. The Bible is full of admonitions about friends. It said there is a friend that stays closer than a brother. And I'm closer to Robert than my biological brothers, who I love my brothers. But, but Robert and I do so much life together and I have other incredible friends here. And so can I, we all need a friend, but let me tell you what we need more than that. We need the friend that's closer than a brother. Even when Judas showed up in Matthew chapter 26, with the, with the soldiers, with clubs and sword, Jesus said, friend, do what you've come to do. See, you may not be a follower of Jesus, you may not have a relationship with him, but he's already your friend. He just wants you to become his friend. He wants you to confess him as your friend, as your Lord. See, for me, Jesus is my best friend. He's my Lord, he's my savior, he's my healer, He's my provider. He's my constant companion. He provide, are y'all with me? He's my master, my Lord, my ruler, and my boss. And life is so much better because I'm doing it with Jesus than I could have ever had without it. So come on. So if you're not in a relationship with him, but you wanna make Jesus BFF, the doors of heaven are open. The Bible said all of sin and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, not even one. But God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. For the mouth we confess with the heart we believe resulting in righteousness. Romans 10, 13, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I called out in 1982 and it's been the greatest ride I've ever been on in my life. And so if you're ready, all your sin forgiven, all your shame, all your guilt, all your past. And to leave, to leave perfectly clean before God. Now's your time. 
So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm gonna lead us in a simple prayer. If you're ready to say yes to Jesus, we're gonna pray this prayer out loud with you. Come on, dear Jesus, I know that we're separated. My fault, my sin. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to come in my heart. I confess you as my friend. I confess you as my Lord. I'm gonna live for you because you died for me.